0: This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
1: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both,
0: Hello welcome to That Peter Crouch Podcast with me, Peter Crouch. I've got Chris Stark uh, with me as usual and I'm joined by a true West Ham legend. It's an honour to have you in with us, Mr Julian Dix. you? How are you?
2: All good?
3: Very well, thank you.
2: Hey. I've been so excited about you being on this podcast, <laughs> Julian, because um, I imagine you've got stories for days. You've got an outstanding reputation, obviously. Um, but a great place to start would be the fact that your nickname's The Terminator, right?
3: Yeah, It is, Um, but that that is due to my injury. smashed my knee up um, playing at Ashton Gate and I was out for 14 months and one player, so-called player, said uh, I would never play again. He put it in the papers. Um, And all I said was I'll be back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and that was it and the next week there's t-shirts and towels and everything outside of Upton Park with the Terminator on
2: <laughs> love that That's I love it when it catches on like that yeah. you know superb there's going to be so much that we're going to get into with Julian should we get the beers in to, to start Um
0: us get the right. beers
2: in what we got do you know what I like today is um, Ryan the bartender is joining us again yeah um, no doubt to tell us the intricacies of whatever beer he would like us mm. to drink for this podcast should we bring him in he's the guy who can talk us through it
0: here he is. It's right, all
3: right, mate? Right. Very you're good. All
0: good mate. Julian's with us today. Nice to meet you. Now, Julian's a bit, bit more of a stout drinker. So you got some, some convincing to do here. How are you feeling about that? I think the,
4: um, the best way to do this, I think lagers cl- is a palate cleanser anyway. So there you go. We're, we're drinking the right beer to get you set for the rest of the beers you're going to have today. Um, so no worries on that front.
0: Nice and cold, mate.
4: See, I like it when Ryan comes in because we get a bit of an education quickly as well, don't we?
2: Quick
0: education.
4: Um, yeah. We all know the drill by now, guys. Nice, solid pour on that beer. Get plenty of head as you possibly can. Get as much aroma out of the beer as you possibly can. And then we'll get into the nitty gritty of it. Do you want a hand
0: there? Can't you Please, right. Ryan, I'm
2: struggling <laughs> to do this one. There we go. Thank you.
0: remember you had a mare last time, it was like you needed a flake in it.
4: It wasn't the worst. Could have been worse. Yeah, could have been could worse. Have been worse. Um, you got a
0: little thimble there.
4: Yeah, I'm on. I'm on the clock. Ooh. You know, it's it's it's,
0: it's time month.
4: It's, it's not the same as being a retired footballer and you can just get on the bed whenever you want. So, <laughs> okay, um, Ryan, talk us through this then. So, Lost Lager's the the drink today, is it? So, Lost Lager today. Um, it's not lost on me that we've picked my beer of the summer on probably the coldest day of the summer so far. Um, but it really is a classic style and a classic beer. Um, so Lost Lager the story behind it it's, it's a rediscovery of the, the art of lager okay so so many companies out there they just get the beer out there into the consumer's hand as quickly as possible whereas we're all about taking that extra bit of time and making as quality of products as we possibly can um, because being that it is the world's biggest beer style it deserves that care and attention cool great Julian so, thoughts
3: not for me <laughs>
2: Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'm just going to turn
4: the chair slightly here.
2: Ryan, you talked to us. It was, the thing is, he's a he's a stout drinker. He'll have another month, another time, won't he?
4: Yeah, I mean, it, he's on the black heart. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. you picked a great beer at with, To be honest, <laughs> not for but... me. <laughs> Fantastic. No, so I mean, it's um, it's a classic German pilsner. Um, it's just nice and crisp. It's refreshing. Like I say, best beer for the summer. Um, it's slightly more aromatic than your everyday drinking lager, which we love about it. You're going to get a little bit of citrus on the nose, more kind of stone fruit, like maybe a bit peachy, maybe a bit grapefruity at times as well. Um, but the end of the story, it's a 4.5% lager. It's so easily drinkable and crushable. It's just going to be something you're going to enjoy sat out in the beer gardens all year, I think. Yeah. And we've been talking about because it's called Lost. Why is it called Lost? So the name Lost Lager does come from it's rediscovering the lost form of lager. Ah. Like I say, so many people over the years have just tried to get anything out into people's hands. And it doesn't really matter to them what it tastes like. Whereas we're all about rediscovering this classic beer Hang on, you're
2: not accusing us of doing that with the lau are
4: you absolutely not I mean the amount of that care was and attention that drink. went into that beer it was a real quality that was,
0: brew that that was oh, a yeah. lovely
4: drop I said to you earlier that had nothing to do with the fact that the beer was free to me but I had about 30 yeah. cans of that easy mm. Mate, you
0: know, we, we, we got totally wrong in the stickers we, we, we were billing it as if you've lost contact with someone and we were talking about old players that I've I've played with you know Lee Hendry Sean Derry people that I could call probably mm. a bit more I've lost contact to. is anyone you had Julian like you know you were really tight with while you were playing that you, you don't speak to much now,
3: um, not, not so much now, but there was, um, obviously, I played with Slav yeah. at West Ham, yeah, we're good pals, we were good pals, mm. we still are, but mm. um, I played with Slav at West Ham, and then obviously, he went to Everton, then we lost touch maybe for 12 13 years. Oh, and the really? next call I got off him was, Do you want to come and coach at West Ham with me? Ooh. So it was, uh, it was a good long yeah. loss friend. So right. He reached yeah. out to you. He did, he yeah. He missed you. It was yeah. that way around. Of course he missed me. I was his room partner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll get into that. We've got to get into all that.
2: Well, yeah, look, whilst we're sort of reminiscing on that, we, we did have an idea around this. So we want to encourage people who may have lost touch with each other to kind of get back in touch and do it all in, in the name of this lost lago. It's a good excuse to make it happen. Yes, we had this idea. We thought we'd do a kind of lost and found challenge is what we're calling it. Mm. See what I did there?
0: Yeah, it was nice.
2: Impressed, Julian, I can tell. Yeah, he's,
0: he's <laughs> over the moon with it.
2: <laughs> so what we want you to do um, is have a think of a mate that you used to play with or, or went to school with or, or whatever it is, but you've fallen out of touch. And now is the time to get back in touch with him. And then what we want you to do is send us a selfie, a video or a voice note with you and your mate that you've just reconnected with. It's very sweet. It's very sweet for Mm. this podcast. Tell us the story behind it. And thanks to BrewDog, we're going to send the best ones a 48 pack of lost lager. 48. Decent, right? Get away with 24,
0: couldn't we? We could
2: have done. (laughs) We could have doubled up. We've gone 48. We've gone massive. But to be fair, we are also asking you to do a lot. Think about it. All that beer, but potentially an old friendship getting renewed. So it's lovely stuff. Win-win. Email in to peter.crouch at acast.com. Include your address so we can send one of these uh, massive 48 packs to the one that we like the most. Terms and conditions will, of course, apply. You'll find them over at brewdogcom forward slash
4: crouch. There's there's no better beer to reconnect with a friend than Lost Lager. It's an Mm. award-winning lager was voted as the best international lager at the World Beer Awards. Mm. So Trick Awards, congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you very much. You. But it's still a pretty high accolade.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, and one more thing, uh, you can go over to brewdog.com forward slash crouch and buy a pack of lost lager. For everyone who does, you'll be added into a prize draw for tickets to the next event. We're hosting down at Brewdog Waterloo at the, uh, the end of July. So get by and get reconnecting. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah. Ryan, right, thanks a lot, mate. Uh Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
4: thank you Ryan we'll see you I imagine we'll see you again next month or something like that yeah yeah absolutely I'd be, um, be delighted to come back and speak to you guys again and uh, educate you further on the world of beer yeah you might have to bring in a stout for Julian next we time we can do that can, okay. sorry yeah Julian no worries right. I think
2: what we're trying to say as well is we've got this great thing going on with Brewdog at the moment you can win loads of beer um, so go get involved go visit the website and find out what's going on on there as well shall we crack
0: on with the podcast let's crack on let's do it Right Julian, this is, uh, is an honour for me I've, I've been an admirer for a long time You know, watching you uh, we, we have a thing about penalties on this podcast And how what's the best way to take a penalty And uh, it was described on this podcast As full missionary So <laughs> When you built one right down the middle It's full missionary None of this kind of re- reverse cowgirl stuff yeah. um, And you are very famous For full missionary Yeah, it was <laughs> Welcome I mean- along Julian <laughs> Thank you
3: <laughs> I remember we, we played against Watford and we, it was a cup game. So it went to extra time and then went to penalties. And I stepped up to take my penalty and I tried to place it. And I hit the post and we ended up losing. So after that penalty, I always said to myself that I would hit it as hard as I could. Because for me, a professional footballer should never miss a target from 12 yards. Okay. Yeah. Might hit the post with the crossbar. But should never miss the target completely. Um, so with that in my mind, I thought if I hit it as hard as I can, I don't know where it's going. So the goalkeeper's got no chance to <laughs> know where he's going. So, but you know you're going to hit the target, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, you're, yeah. I was, I was always confident of hitting the target from twelve yards. Mm. If I wasn't, then <laughs> that I'm... Sounds,
0: that sounds I mean, shit. So yeah, have you, shit, yeah, have you seen it? the? Have you heard? Seen the power that yeah. he's hitting these penalties? Yeah, with? yeah. yeah. That, that, like, if I reckon if I tried to hit the, I, I think you'd I'd miss the, the target. Country,
2: you'd lack, yeah, okay. But isn't it amazing that from 12 yards when you think about it that however hard you hit it 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 can miss. It can go so far above. But as a professional
3: footballer you should not miss a target from 12 yards but you're getting people like Ronaldo and Messi missing a target and they're the best players in the world. They're missing a target. I never miss a target. Where do you
2: stand on uh, Palencas then? Listen, for me if
3: if you score, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you want to do a somersault, then put it in the back of the- I really don't care. Yeah. But if you're fanning about taking the penalty and you miss one, you should get a bollocking from your fucking teammates for a mm. start. Because when I was there, Ray Stewart was a penalty taker and Ray was phenomenal. I think in his career, he had 75 and I think he missed one. Mm. And Ray used to do the same, but Ray used to... Always, it is probably a a foot from the ground. Mine was going in the roof, and that was going everywhere, left, right. Uh, Um, So it was. But as long as you score, for me, it doesn't matter.
0: So when
2: you you hit it so hard, did you did did you ever have any paranoia in your head about? Well, the keeper knows that I'm gonna hit it hard. So how did they try and defend against that? How did they try and save you? Or what did you notice about goalkeepers when you stepped up? Um, not a lot
3: really, because like I said, if I can hit it, as hard as like I think the one against Man United was ninety nine miles an hour. That's
0: the one. Oh, that's the one I remember. Yeah.
3: So he's ne- he's never going to save it unless he jumps like a starfish <laughs> and puts his hands out and things like. That. But even if he does, you still got a chance. Um, it's going in. But we played Shepherd uh, Shepherd United away, and we had a penalty. I hit the crossbar. They ended up getting the corner. <laughs> the no ball no. yeah yeah the ball really? went all over our heads I think it was Alvin Martin was the last man and they had a man up front with Alvin and they ended up getting the corner because <laughs>
2: they ate the crossbar
0: that's unreal
2: yeah is, what's the record do we, do we know what that is for fastest penalty yeah that, that must be up 99
0: miles an hour yeah I, I think up. it was
2: uh, at,
3: at that time it was it was a record it was 99.9 miles an hour I, mean, yeah. I
2: just wonder what would kill a man if yeah. you took a penalty What would it take I mean Do you think you could get above
0: 100 if you tried Did, did you ever play Not, that game? No
3: no I, I, I struggled to walk Let alone kick a ball uh, um, Did
0: you ever play that game Red arse You know where people Go yeah. on the
3: line They bend over I was like, just going to say that yeah. yeah,
0: You must have been good, great At that game
3: <laughs> <laughs> We used to put the apprentices In there and just Different times sm- Different times Smash the ball at them As hard as we could <laughs>
2: Were you sort of brought forwards? Like you're like the executioner on Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know that massive fucker, yeah, yeah, yeah. the one, the one at the end that does all sorts. Uh, yeah. That's Julian. That's... Yeah, he's brought out for the severe punishment. Yeah, right.
0: It. So you must because, you, like, have you always had like a re- like when you when you were a kid? Was it like because because it's a pure strike and it? It's clean.
3: yeah? I was al- I was always good at striker the ball. Striker of, yeah. Of the ball yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. To be honest, I think you can. You, you can't coach it mm-hmm. you can make it better but you can't coach it but yeah I was always a, a good striker yeah, so I
0: didn't realise so I just I just assumed you were kind of like an Essex boy or, or you know East London kind of West Ham I, I didn't realise you was obviously born in Bristol and then you went to Birmingham as a kid like quite young
3: yeah I, like I said Ron Saunders was the manager of Aston Villa at the time um, and I went to Aston Villa on trial and after a couple of days Ron Saunders said Look, I'd like you to sign for for Aston Villa Um so I was I was like nearly fourteen at the time. So obviously my mum and dad were with me. So my dad said, "Would you like to sign?" I said, "Yeah, of course." Um, but then Re- Ron resigned at Villa, went to Birmingham. So I got my dad got a phone call and said, "Look, I'd like your son to come to Birmingham um, with me." And but the the, the stipulations was it he, he goes to school in Birmingham and he trains maybe two or three times a night. Um, and obviously school holidays he trains at Birmingham City Training Ground, So that was the case. I, like I said, I went to school. Fucking hated school with a passion. Mm. Um, hated school with a passion. Um, so I went there. And again, I remember the careers officer called me in the office and said, like, what do you want to do? I said, well, you know why I'm here, don't you? He went, yeah, yeah. He said, but what do you want to do? I said, well, I'll be a fucking footballer. <laughs> he went, but there's only like one in 5,000 make it. I said, "Well, yeah, but that's me. That's why I'm here. So he went, mm, you better think of St. Kells because you might not make it. So I just got up and walked out. That's
2: mad, isn't it? Do you, do you think any careers advisor has ever suggested to a child to be a footballer? Mm. Because it's the one profession that, as a careers advisor, they have probably always got wrong. Because mm. they're only ever telling people not to be it. Yeah. But surely they must occasionally come across a child and go, no, give up this doctor stuff. <laughs> you know, don't bother with being a lawyer. Mm. You should be a footballer. But I wanted to be a vet.
3: I, I love animals. I wanted to be a vet, but I'm, I'm as thick as fuck, to be honest. I, I was sh- shocking at school.
0: Do you still love animals?
3: Yeah, I love yeah, animals. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. I, I love yeah, animals. Um, what do you
0: mean by that? Like
3: I love animals. You... I used to have dog kennels and everything. I used to have, like, English Bull Terriers and, and Rottweilers and, and stuff like
2: that. Where do you stand mm. on, like, rabbits and the cute ones?
3: But you feed them to the dogs.
0: <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad you said that. Uh,
3: <laughs> like, I'm no, only, I'm only joking. Um
0: where...
3: <laughs> When when I was when I was a kid, I was I was like most other kids. You have your rabbits, your hamsters, your gerbils, and, and stuff like. That. I, I love animals, um, and that's why I, I had dog kennels and, and stuff yeah. because I did. I, I loved animals, but a bit of a I left w-
2: question is Julian. Do you think you can talk to the animals? Do you have this sort of Doctor Dolittle um, sort of
0: way about you?
3: When I'm pissed, maybe, yeah. <laughs>
0: Imagine. <for laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Well, question. Um, so just off air, before we started there, you said you were, You were, was it at Birmingham with, the, with a group of lads that <laughs> I would love to kind of have been a fly on the wall with that group of lads. Can you just, Name
3: yeah well, like i said i was i was there when i was 14 and like the team more or less back then was tony Cohen was a goalkeeper we had pat van was was right back mm. we had noah blake and billy Wright and mark dennis um then we had people like howard gell and rob Hopkins, and we had big mick hartford up front
0: yeah. absolute i wouldn't fancy no, no against you wouldn't <laughs> i mean I'll be honest
3: like I said, even like I was when I was like sixteen, I, I was training with them, and yeah. they would kick the fuck out of you. Seriously, they yeah. would go through you like a dose of salts. Um, but it was it was a good upbringing, um, especially when you're an apprentice and things are not right with their kit or their boots or mm. things like. And you got a slap. I mean, you get a slap from from Noel Blake. Mm. You only do it once. Um, do you
0: know what is that? Is that do you think that's that's kind of things that what shaped you as a as a kind of player? Like Mick, Mick they're all hard fellas, right? And Obviously, you're a hard fella. Do you think, did that shape you and or, or were you already kind of like, kind of <laughs> um, tough? I, once I, I was tough, I mm. remember playing when I was about 12 years old for
3: my for my Sunday side and I, like someone stood on my hand and my hand come up like a balloon and I said to my dad, I'm coming off. He went, what for? I, I showed him my hand. He went, get on that fucking pitch and yeah. carry on playing. Yeah. And from that moment, I started to be a bit more horrible, a bit more aggressive. Mm. But when you're growing, <laughs> growing up with pros like that it it does shape you Mm. it has to shape you um because like say in training if there's a 50 50 they're not backing out so you didn't back out Mm. even if they hurt you like back then if they hurt you you get up because you're embarrassed that they hurt you yeah nowadays people stay down because Uh, yeah they want to stay down
2: hard as a coach then to 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 because i assume you've got to change a lot about what you impose on players to how you were say brought up and brought through, or do you try and instil some of the same disciplines that perhaps you don't see in modern football? For me, if you're if
3: you're if you're a coach or you're a manager, you shouldn't be telling people how to play football. My manager has never told me how to play football. Never told me to be more aggressive. Never told me to. They told me calm down many times, but not to be more aggressive. Not like how to defend or how to. T- my managers never told me that. Mm. But nowadays, you have to tell players because they would turn around and go, well, yeah, but you haven't told me this. Mm. My managers, when I played back then, we'd have a team talk, would be, right, Julian, you're picking up, i.e. Peter Crouch today from corners and set plays. Mm. That's all they told you. And they go, have a good game. And then it was for yeah. you to do your job. More, there's more yeah. responsibility yeah, on the player. Yeah, you had to do your job. But I knew who all my other teammates were picking up so if you want picking somebody up I go fucking go and pick him up you got number 7 go and pick him up now. and and because it's it's a team game you have to be responsible for not just for yourself but for for your for your teammates as well because you want to win it was damn it was it was difficult in in the beginning um because we we want a great side and I mean we had a great manager in John Lyre, but things weren't great on the pitch um so you have to be responsible for for, you, for your teammates as well as yourself. Mm.
0: And you know that, obviously, that how did obviously the whole West Ham thing come about? And did you feel at home kind of straight away? Because when I think of West Ham, I think of Julian Dix. And I think a lot of people have that feeling and I, I don't know it's like it's like you're a reflection kind of light of a of the probably the, the the fella in the terraces and it felt like you played the game that way and is that why you're kind of loved so much yeah there? I think
3: all any supporter wants is for a player to play for their club to love their club and give 100% I think that's all they want because we all have bad games mm. listen we all make mistakes that's, that's a part of football and, and a part of life but they cannot appreciate players not giving 100% and like I said every single game I could put my hand on my heart and said mm. yep yeah, I, I give 100% every single game but mm. I made mistakes I got sent off a few times and, and let the team down and, and stuff like that so
0: yeah and what was what it like now when you kind of go back there like you know with, with amongst the fans and I I imagine you, you're not able to walk down surely you're not allowed to walk around the Olympic Stadium and just you must be getting stopped all the time
3: um, well one I don't go to the Olympic mm. Stadium um, why is that? Because I don't like the place, really? to be honest. Miss, yeah. I miss Upton I, Park. I was going to ask you this. I love Upton Park. And I like said I have I've said on a few podcasts, I'd go there every six months to Upton Park, even though it's not there. Mm. I, I, I go there, just I drive about and park my car up and have a walk about. Because it has a lot of memories for me. Mm. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of good memories it, it has for me. Um, being at West Ham at Upton Park. I was a coach at the Olympic Stadium with, with obviously Slab and things mm. like that. And for me, it's not the same. Mm. And I know I'm being biased to, to Upton Park because I, I love the place. But mm. like I said, I, I was only a coach at, at West Ham. I, I never played at Olympic Stadium. Mm. So um, from that is, point of view.
0: Is there a lot of West Ham fans that feel the same way? Is there, you know, I know that obviously they'll probably still go. But is there, is there do you think there's a few that A A lot of
3: West Ham fans I speak to uh. don't like Olympic Stadium. But West Ham's their club. Yeah. So they, they go and support them because they love the club. Um, and like I said, it's, Upton Park was a, a magnificent place to, to play mm, football. Mm. If you play for West Ham, and if they liked you, mm. I mean, for an opposing player, it, it could be brutal. Because I played there when I was seventeen for Birmingham, mm. and it was fucking horrible.
0: Well, even some of the home, you know, some of the home players. I mean, I've I've known over the years. Um, you know, that, it's the chicken run, isn't it? Yeah. The old the old chicken run. Chicken run. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how hard was that when you're going down that side? To be fair,
3: like. When I was, like I said, I was 17 and I played for Birmingham. Um, like the, the amount of abuse you got. But people could reach out and touch you on the yeah. bank. The day I signed for West Ham, John Lyle um, and Eddie Bailey come to, to Birmingham City and said, we'll give you £650. I was on £140 at the time. we we'll give you £650 a week. we we'll give you £50 appearance. So I went, great. Um, and he said, you got five minutes to think about it. So I went, okay. So... It wasn't a case that you had mobile phones. So I I tried to ring my missus at the time. It was in gay. So I come back in and said, John, I'd love to sign for West Ham. He went, yeah, I know you would. Um, He (laughs) said, but what do you know about West Ham? I said, well, um, I know yourself. I know Billy Bonds. And I know the chicken run. (laughs) He went, went, that's all you need to know. (laughs) So I said, but John, I said the chicken run was fucking horrible. I said, because I played there when I was 17 for Birmingham. He went, son... When you signed for West Ham, he said, they would love you. He says, the best place in the world. And, and it was, it was <clears throat> like little kids would kick off at 3 o'clock on the Saturday. Kids would be in there at 12 o'clock so they could get down the front. But you're taking a, uh, a throw in, they'd tap you on the back and go, Julian, do you want a sweet? You know what I mean? They, they would offer you sweets while you're playing football. Uh, um, and people offering you beer because they were taking beers in the ground and things like that. And all of a sudden, you have a sugar Their beer, you take a throw in, and yeah.
0: it was. It but was, that's all right. You're Julian Dix, right? What would that be if you're having a nightmare for, for, for West Ham? I'm talking. They, they, they let you know.
3: They, they, <laughs> let, they you let, let you know. Um, and obviously, there's there's players at football clubs that um, the fans dislike and, and things like. that. And they, they make it a tired time, but because Upton Park was so tight, so condensed, you could you could hear everything. Mm like what they used to do to your mum and things like mm. you know what I mean? They'd do every, they do everything they would say everything if you're having a bad game and you either take it to heart or you smile about it mm, mm. and if you don't smile about it then your game just gets worse and worse and worse and they mm. slag you off more
2: when you say you go and visit the grounds and you just drive there um you just go there what just to just to be around the place yeah
3: and, and it was it was it was a special place and there was times that I was suspended for the game on Saturday, and I would go park my car up in the car park at Upton Park, and I would go in the bowling on the Saturday because I was suspended because I wasn't playing. And the place was just heaving. And you, you squeeze through the door, and it was like you had to pass your money over to get your beer back. You know what I mean? You give them a fiver.
0: You Surely get Julian Dix doesn't have to throw his money over and get, get no, a, but buy, but the thing a is, beer in there. There's, there's
3: like <laughs> 10 people in front of you and you like you go for a dog go, oh Julian yep yeah. what do you want I'll have a beer please but your change would never come back but your beer would oh, yeah. so uh, it was it was like it's just a, it's a special place yeah. I mean it's, it's not anymore because it's flats um, but I just go and pay mm. my respects you
2: weren't tempted to get one of the flats
3: no not really That <laughs> place I remember like the times when I first went there it was like 88, 89 it was it was a, a magnificent place mm. Um obviously People move in, people move out, and it is what it is now. So. Do you know?
0: Obviously, like uh, we we've talked on this podcast about. I felt like I was kind of lived through, a, you know, a nice kind of era. It was like a little bit kind of maybe less unprofessional, and then lived through it to, to what it is kind of like now. Like, what would you say you, the best era of football is for you? Like when you played, or before um, that, or how, and how do you find kind of the modern the modern football?
3: When, when I played, it was it was superb because there was no mobile phones mm. so you could go out people wouldn't take pictures of you and, and things like that and you could get pissed on a thursday night <laughs> but harry would find <laughs> would find out. um but it was it was just it was a, a better era that like people would come up and talk to you there's a lot of people now that just want to slag players off because mm. of basically what they earn mm. you know i mean we earn obviously good money to to the normal person when we played but we were approachable. I like said when I was at, at West Ham, people, players would drive past kids who'd been waiting from like 10 o'clock in the morning to get their autographs. The modern players. Yeah, like they, yeah. They, their players would just drive past them. Ooh. One time, we got beat by, I think it was Southampton. We got beat, I think it was about two or three nil, and we were fucking awful. Uh, I remember John Lyle saying, make sure you sign all their autographs out there. That that stayed with me. It didn't click at the time. Yeah. But that stayed with me. Like, yeah, we got beat. We were shit. And the fans let us know. But John will say, make sure you sign them autographs. Because back then they would they would wait outside the, the doors behind like a, a barrier kind of thing. And there, there would be. There'd be like maybe a 100, 150 people, mostly kids, wanting your autograph. And yeah, you've had a shit day at work. But they've had a shit day as well because mm. they've been watching you play yeah. and they pay to watch you play mm. so the least you can do is sign an autograph or have a picture even now I've never turned down a picture with people or, or an autograph unless they're rude they go oh you sign this mm. then you go "Go fuck off mm. <laughs> you know what I mean so <laughs> they, get, they get it
2: they get it back yeah. <laughs> Julian Dick style <laughs> <laughs> do you um, I guess you're an example though of a player that was exactly the right player in the right era of football what what Do you think i guess i guess it's a hypothetical question but would you like to be playing now money aside do you think yeah because i
3: miss football every day i miss playing football every day i miss west ham and i miss upton park every day um i would i would like to play yeah not not because of money but because i miss playing football um but if i had a choice of played when i played or or now with the money i'd still pick when i played
2: Mm, because
3: you it was a passionate game and players and managers didn't try get to get opposing players and managers sent off you look at like players now doing imaginary yellow cards red cards because someone's made a tackle why why are you trying to get somebody sent off Mm. like when we played i mean like dennis wise i mean me and dennis Used to kick
0: fuck out of each other. I remember one particular incident sparked a, sparked a big brawl, eh? yeah, didn't it? Yeah, on you.
3: That was at Upton Park. I I tackled Dennis. That <laughs> oh, was uh, you, did yeah. on Dennis? Yeah, and to be fair to him, he didn't roll around or things like. He was hurt, but he he got up and. Then the game carried on, all of a sudden there's like a 21-man brawl. Yeah. The only person who didn't get involved was Ludo, our goalkeeper, because he had a to run too fucking uh, far. Yeah, I played with Ludo, he was too yeah. nice, wasn't Yeah, he, he was <laughs> yeah. But it was right over by the chicken run. And the people in the chicken run were throwing punches at <laughs> the Wimbledon players. Um but yeah, it was it was it was passionate back then. That was that kind of game. I'm actually
0: West Ham versus the crazy game, yeah. kind of like what what I mean, did you relish that? Were you, did you think, right, we're playing, the, you know, the old Wimbledon team? Yeah,
3: we we did um, because we we had players that could look after ourselves. Like we had people like Alvin Martin, mm. um, obviously myself, and people like John Hartson and people like that. It was mm. we could look after ourselves. And like with most bullies, you have to stand up to them. Mm. And we we stood up to them. And I mean, listen, they they were. They were a physical side obviously vinnie Fashionu, mm. and, and dennis and, and scales and and people like that so but especially upton park mm. i mean you go to play lane it wasn't a nice place to play football yeah, yeah, Lane. Yeah. Um, but upton park was was great and it's nine times out of ten we we beat them because we stood up to them i
0: think of that west ham team and i think all i can think about is kind of the characters like in all, in all your time like through through the West Ham, um, the years you were there, like who were the biggest characters? And obviously, I know you're good friends with, with Slavin Bilic, but like, who, who, who did you enjoy being a dresser officer? No, John Monkers. Monks is a little <laughs> lively. <laughs> you must have um, some good
1: stuff Yeah,
3: huh? like we used to take the, the piss out of each other. I mean, I remember my first day in the training ground and I'm walking through the, the doors at um, Chadwell Heath and Tony Gell is walking towards me. And he went, You're a bit fat, aren't you? And I think fuck me. <laughs> then, it, but it was it was just banter. Yeah. And back then it was it was like you have a give and take it or you just take it. So you you have to give it out as well. But I remember Lou Macari, who was my manager after John Lyle. I walked through the doors, and he went, "You're a bit fat."
0: <laughs> so, Where's well, the gap Yeah,
3: Lou Macari. <laughs> And and that was it. So we we. But fair to be enough. fair to Lou, I mean, he, he was it was good for my career. But um, mm. it was a lot of it was just about band to then. Like you cut up players' trousers and jeans mm. and and cut their shoes up. Right, people go, it's a bit childish. But it was back then. It was we thought it was fun. Yeah, like you go and punch your tyres in the in car park in their cars and things like that. So they come out and they got to go off like after training players would go I've got to shoot off straight away and you go and puncture their tyre <laughs> so they couldn't they couldn't shoot off straight away and you're shaking your head there you're just thinking what fucking idiots they are no, I just, it
1: was, I just, it, was like, fun. it just
2: sounds like a, it sounds like a different time but it sounds like a great time it reminds me of the stories that Gaza that you hear of Gaza where there's like fish in the car and things like that and I'm wondering if, because you were roommates at one point,
0: when
3: you that were, was the under twenty ones, I was. Did you room with yeah. Gaza? Yeah.
0: Did you? How was he then?
2: He's
3: still a fucking loan, <laughs> but like Do you still t- speak to him or? No, I right, haven't yeah. to be honest. Um, we we played for the England under twenty ones, and Dave Sexton was the manager, yeah. and he called everybody into a room. He said, "This is." I didn't even think of it back then. He went, "Who wants to share with Gaza?" And no one put their hand up. <laughs> so I went, well, I'll share it with him. Can't be that bad. So and obviously you you heard of him in, in everything else because he was obviously a fantastic player. But he was a fucking loon. Yeah. He was a loon. Mm. Like like silly little stories like we're in the south of France in um under twenty one competition and he's flicking toothpaste at people out the bedroom window. <laughs> and they're looking up and they're going, Then everybody knows who he is yeah. then. Yeah. They're going, Gaza. But he was, he was just he was innocent but he was alone Mm. and he was he was a a fantastic fantastic person Mm. fantastic person yeah
2: good person to room with though or or night. just why did no one volunteer
3: because he was alone Mm. and there was times that i would wake up in the night and his ass would be on my face (laughs) (laughs) i I wasn't
0: expecting that i don't know why and i'm thinking (laughs) what are you doing
3: you know I mean he's alone. Yeah. I I mean I'd, I'd like a laugh and a joke, but he he was. That's that's what he was but not just once, but many times
0: mm.
3: during the night. Not once during the night, two or three times during the night. Like randomly is, during the night, just your
4: yeah, ass did, on the face.
3: Because he, he he didn't sleep. And he put mm. his ass on my face.
2: Yeah, sometimes I can't sleep. It's yeah. not it's interesting where your mind do you might go when you can't know I might try it tonight
0: with Ab. <laughs> <laughs> wow. so just uh, so obviously you know West Ham legend but you go to uh, Liverpool like, how did you find that? I know uh, well, you weren't there that long but no. like how did you find the whole experience
3: I, I didn't want to go to Liverpool uh. to be honest I loved it at West Ham um, but Billy Bonds was a manager Harry was the assistant and after training Harry come up to me and said if you want to go to Liverpool I can get you a move mm. I'm thinking, I am thinking, I didn't want to go but I'm thinking obviously something's not right if you want me to go all Billy Barnes had to do was say to me was like, I don't want you to go Julian I wouldn't have went even though we were struggling at the time I loved it at West Ham so that was it I thought I'll meet Graham Graham soon see what he has to say when I met him I wanted to sign for him mm. I loved him as a manager I loved him as a person black was black white was white there was no grey areas um and it was, listen, I, whatever happens, I, I play for one of the biggest clubs in the world. Mm. Um, there's not many Liverpool fans that like me. Mm. Um, but I, I, I did enjoy myself there and I played with some unbelievable players mm. um, and had a great time there. And it was, it was, then Graham resigned, then Roy Evans took over. I didn't get on with Roy um, one bit. Um, so there was a, just a matter of time Be Basically, before I left, I remember Roy called me in the office one day. He said, uh, "Tottenham want you." I went, "Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> he went, "He went Tottenham want you." I went, "Yeah, fuck off." He went, "What do you mean?" I went, "West Ham, Tottenham don't mix." Mm. I said, "I have principles here." He went, "Really?" I went, "Yeah." I said, no, "It's not happening." So that was that. And then Birmingham come in for me, wanted me on I said, "I don't want to go online." I'm like 25, 26. I just want to settle down with my family and, and move somewhere and, and that's it. So I said no to Birmingham. And then I remember playing in the game Liverpool v Everton um, at Goodison and TC was playing for Everton. Tony Cotty uh, playing for Everton. He said, I'm going back to West Ham next week. I think you're fucking lucky bastard. Really? Yeah, yeah I did. Um, so you just want it back? There. I just want... Yeah, I just... If there's one club I would go back to, obviously it would be West Ham. So then Jamie, um, Jamie Redknapp um, spoke to me and said, my old man wants you back at West Ham. Harry was the manager now. He said he wants you back at West Ham. I said to him, tell him I'm already walking. <laughs> so it was about six weeks that I went back to to West Ham. Um, mm. Like I said, it was just like a case of you, going so home. So w-
4: was that
2: the same as you, crouching that you could be so forceful in just saying no to something? Uh, the same way that... Julian could say no to, to the, the Tottenham move. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: I mean, you, you, if you're contracted and all that, there's absolutely no way they can make you go anywhere. You yeah. know, so it's totally up to you where you, where you go. And you know, that was obviously, you know, being a West Ham legend, there's no way he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna cross sides to Tottenham.
2: I just, I wasn't aware that you could just take a stance like that without other people. Yeah, but the thing is, like it,
3: when when Roy when was you. there, Roy didn't didn't want me. He didn't fancy me as a player, which is fine. I have, I have no problems with that. And every day I would come in and. I would drive in my car and he'd go you're training with the kids today i go fucking not i stay in my car and i drive home and I'd, I'd done that for about a month but i i, I used to play in the the reserve games because sammy lee was the the manager of the reserves at Liverpool. i, I like Sammy. i got on well with sammy um so i would play in the reserves <laughs> i was a of stone overweight because i wasn't training I wasn't training because, like I said, I would come here and go, right, you're going to train with the kids. I went, fuck off. Stay in my car and go home. So Harry yeah. Redknapp
2: loved you, right? So I get the impression that he kind of he's, – he's, you're, you're one of his guys. Maybe a bit like what Crouchy was. He, he chose you. He wanted you back. He how, did you you find, how did you
0: find Harry?
3: I liked Harry. As, as a manager for West Ham, absolutely fantastic. Man management, fantastic. Mm. Um, I got on really, really well with Harry um, until the, the later stages of my career. Um when I struggled with my knee. Um, but other than that, he was he was fantastic. And he, he done well at West Ham.
0: Yeah, he did, yeah. And
2: then this was I mean, you must have seen all these players that were coming through West Ham. Um, Lampard, for example. And at that point did you see this new generation, Peters? Franks, did you see them all kind of moving through and
0: Yeah no, i at West Ham like with 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 you had character foe, didn't you? Like Rio, Lamp, Joe Cole, Joe, Joe Cole, Cole yeah. like I mean there's a good era for West Ham. Like, it, for sure. it,
3: it was, yeah. And listen, they 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 were good lads, you know what I mean? Like little Frank was my boot boy. And he was fucking shit by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> he he was uh I said to him, like, this was like September, I said, like you clean my boots properly, I'll give you hundred quid. And and back then hundred quid was a decent amount of money so the first three or four days they, they were spotless after that they were shit yeah. so I threw my boots at him and one hit him and I said <laughs> you, you're you not getting your, your money anymore <laughs> um, but you could you could see they were going to be exceptional players mm. obviously Little Frank
2: um you could always. Did, did he blossom later? Because he Because obviously there
0: yeah. was the press conference thing <clears throat> and he you know, got a bit of stick now because of his dad. Well, look, yeah. let's talk about that because
2: that press conference is obviously, you know, very well known because of the passion with which Harry uh, defends Harry him. Defends mm. him mm-hmm. Even though the fans are saying, no, he's not good enough. He's not going to make yeah, it. But I, what was your view when you saw that press conference or the heard The thing is, it?
3: like, listen, Little Frank was our teammate and we all be around him and we'd help him as a player you'd never slag another player off in my opinion I know players do but I would I would never do that and little Frank was going through a bad time at the time like playing wise okay listen the manager alright is his uncle and his dad's the assistant manager don't make it it's not easy for him um, so but the fans are thinking that he's only playing because of them two and listen little Frank mm. he was a good player he wasn't that good at West Ham Did until you he think until he left. He was
2: going right to the top, as they put.
3: You him. you always see he had he had a desire. Like I always used to get in training early, and I used to go in the gym and just smash a ball about in the gym because that's what I like to do. And I would do the same after training. Little Frank was there with me. You know, what I mean, he would always always stay late, be in early, working on his game. Mm. So it wasn't a case of it just come to him. He worked at it, and he worked he worked hard. Um, but it, you could always see he was a goal scorer, Frank. even as a midfield mm. player. You could always see he was he was because that's what he he liked to do. But he was a box to box player, little mm. Frank. Like nowadays, you don't you don't have box to box midfield players. You're either a defensive midfield player or you're attacking midfield player. Mm. So if you're defensive, if you stay around the defense, or if you attack, you stay up there. You don't go mm. from box to box. Little Frank was a box to box player. An it, exceptional player, by the way.
0: Who was the one, who was the one, Julian, like where you, obviously we talk about, I saw Joe Cole at an early age. Like was, who was the one that came over to the first team and you went, oh, he's a player.
3: Rio probably. Rio, Rio was like a, a Rolls-Royce. Yeah. Um,
0: he played against
3: big Duncan Ferguson once and dunk battered him everywhere. Mm. And I think that made Rio be a better player. Mm. Um, because he did find football quite easy because he was elegant, he was mm. quite quick and he, he's a good passer of the ball. Um, but yeah, and I mean, like big dunk, battered him and, and things
0: like that and obviously but you probably need that yeah, at yeah, an early of age do, yeah because yeah. yeah. probably in the youth team you probably had it too easy with yep. you know people like me who <laughs> 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 probably you know, big, big dogs probably knocked him around it, it probably it, helped it him yeah it, it would have helped him
3: yeah. um, but like I said Rio was he was like a Rolls Royce mm. he was he uh, was and listen, Little Frank was a Rolls-Royce as well, but obviously Rio was was elegant when he played. Mm. Um, but they, they were both team. phenomenal players. Mm. It's a
2: great team when you think about it. And I remember going to West Ham games. West Ham were probably the first team that actually I got taken to games to because my parents weren't really into football. My aunt used to take me to West Ham games. And I remember seeing that. I, m- I remember distinctly that celebration. A celebration was, thinking about it, you had Carrick, Joe Cole, mm. Rio Ferdinand you look at that team Mm. I mean obviously you know them really really well but an amazing amazing team that was coming through Mm. at that point it really was yeah did you always want to get into coaching Julian
3: no I never wanted to get into coaching because I retired when I was 29 through through my knee injuries and I was quite bitter to be honest Um, thinking that there was me as a player to give everything in every single game Um, and at 29 it was like bye bye I, I just couldn't really play and you yeah, had players that really didn't give a fuck they were playing to like 34, 35 and I was I was quite bitter
2: so were you yeah so you were f- what frustrated at? The yeah I was that, frustrated is that because you'd thrown
3: your body around so much no it's, I, I played it we played at Ashton Gate which is Bristol City's ground mm-hmm. and I went up for a header and like half of my foot went off the pitch and half stayed on and it felt I it didn't feel great it, but it, it wasn't like you think hang there's so much pain I can't move I carried on for the next 10 minutes um then the game would finished, But the next day, my my knee was like a balloon, like literally like a balloon. So obviously I went and seen the club surgeon at the time. Um he'd done an operation, fucking bodged it up. Then I went and seen a, a chap called John King, he's a London independent, and they they mess around with your knee. And his first words to me went, You're fucked. This is a surgeon, went, You're fucked. <laughs> so I think he said, You can like I can do an operation. He said, you have a one in 10 chance whether you play again. And, um, and I felt physically sick. I could have threw up all over him. Um, I was like, for 14 months to the day, I was eight. I come back, I was probably like a stone overweight. I remember going into Billy Barnes. I think we had Chrissy Houghton Chrissy who they bought um, because I was injured. And I remember playing the reserve game and I got through that and I remember next day I went into to Billy Bonds who was the manager at the time I said I'm ready to play Bill he went no you're not because I was overweight I went no no I'm ready Bill I'm ready he went no you're not I said look if you need me I'm ready Chrissy Houghton. got injured so he didn't have to play me but he did play me um, and we played Southampton and the, the I ended up giving the goal a goal away um, so we're 1-0 down then we got a penalty which I scored um, and we drew 1-1 one, one. Um, and, and that was it. It was, I was okay for the next four or five years, but then I'd done my knee again. Mm. Um, then it was a case of, I couldn't really play. I wanted to play, I wanted to carry on. Um, I think I ended up playing, I was out for 18 months, played 12 games and I come back and and that was it really.
0: So when that time comes, um, how, how difficult was that to, to call it?
3: I only called it because we played Charlton Athletic. Harry was the manager, we played Charlton Athletic away. He played me left wing back, which I've never played fucking left wing mm. back in my life. Mm. So I knew I was being hung out to dry. Oh, really? Yeah. What
2: you mean he put you in that position to sort of make it difficult? Yeah, because you have
3: to fucking run up and down. And my knee. Change. Would he do that kind of thing? Yeah. My knee wouldn't allow it. So.
2: Did he want to do that for you to realise? I don't he know
3: if he'd done it for me to realise or he'd done it because it was, it was the players that we had at that time. I don't know. I don't know. But you know, when it's from my point of view, I've never played there in 13, 14 years of football. So all of a sudden I'm playing left wing back. Mm. Um, and I, to be fair, I had a shit game. I have no worries about saying that. I had a shit game. Um, and come in two or three days later, we're playing Newcastle away. He went, you're going to go and sit on the bench at Newcastle. I went, you've got fucking no chance. I'm not sitting on the bench. Um, I said, look, pay me up. Um, give me a testimony. I said, no, fuck off. He said, that's it.
0: I, I always remember a story, kind of like when you did retire, that you were going to become a professional golfer. That was like doing the rounds, right? You, so was golf always, were you always into golf? No, I wasn't. I,
3: when I'd done my knee, the first time, I was, I was bordering on being an alcoholic. Because I was going down the pub drinking, felt sorry for myself. Every single night I would go down the pub, get drunk, come home, blah, blah, blah. So I w- there was one day I went into the physio, John Green, at the time. I said, John, I need something to do. I said, because I'm bordering on being an alcoholic. Um, he said, Right, we're going to see the surgeon, John King. So I went in, see John King, and he said, Take up golf. Fuck off. I said, it's an old man's game, golf.
0: So, hold on, so you, you took it up after, like, when you were... When I'd done my knee, I was
3: 22 years old, yeah. So you took it up then? Yeah. Um, and he went, no, he said, like, you've got a brace on. Can't do any damage to your knee. He said, have a buggy, but you, you can't do any damage, swing in the golf club or things like that. So that was it. I went and bought myself a set of golf clubs, went down the driving range, and I thought, fuck me, I like this. And I, I was hooked. Mm. I was hooked, and I was just... I would hit five, six hundred balls every day in the driving range. I go and play nine holes and luckily enough the the golf club I was at the head coach like the professional was Dennis Pugh who used to teach Montgomery and Mm. and a few of the others I said I'd I'd like a lesson he said well what do you want to achieve I said I'd like to turn pro he went okay he said let me have a look at your swing so I hit about five balls he went you got fucking no chance (laughs) (laughs) so I went okay (laughs) he went unless you change a few things so all of a sudden I've gone from a five handicapper to probably a twenty handicapper because I'm trying to do but certain just through things. a change of technique. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden it like over a course of probably six months it come down and it got below five. Then it was four, then it was three, then it was two, then it was one, then it was like scratch. Um, but I, I wasn't I wasn't good enough. Mm. Even at Scratch, I wasn't good enough to, to make a living. Where are you at, Crouchy
0: with um, I'm off like ten now. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Miles off. I, I, I'm For not. Me and you play all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. What? No, I mean, that's that's, that's what scares me. you get me down about to scratch. Sport, you know, uh, you get down to scratch. You're a proper golfer. You were playing every day.
3: Yeah, I, I would play at least nine holes every day, but I would hit five six hundred balls every day. And I mean, every day, Monday to Sunday, Monday to Monday. I would hit five six hundred every enough. day. But my first pro tournament, I played with Gordon Sherry. It was a top amateur at the time and Jim Payne who was a European tour player I think mean, Jim Payne went round in 65 I think I went round in fucking 90 I think <laughs> he went round in 65 and Gordon Sherry I think he went round in about level par Do you he still ain't... play now? No I've no. struggled to walk now no, with really, my knees really. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, You know what you yeah. need to get obsessed with next? Bowls I Bowls. thought you were, were going to
0: say flight simulator Oh 10 pin. It's <laughs> <laughs> always flight
2: simulator as well I'm barbecuing. Oh, you're not barbecue, barbecue, are you? No, I'm not No, barbecue, thank man. God for that. I'm not even, <laughs> even going to try with you, Julian. <laughs> it's no point. I know what the reply will be. So, um, yeah, bowls. Because I think the thing is, you seem to achieve a very high level at any sport you try. Has there ever been a sport that you've just been really shit at, that you've wanted to be good
3: at? Um, not really. I've, I've only nice. really... I, I used to go with John Monker. We used to go and play snooker. But we'd end up pissed and we'd end up trying to play Snoop with <laughs> Ronnie O'Sullivan. People like that. But it was no, it was just literally it was it was football and golf that was Yeah. Exciting. Can I just
0: ask you about West Ham now, Julian? Obviously we I don't know, were you out in Prague?
3: No I no. was at the, um, the Indigo bar at the O2 Oh yeah we know
0: it well Fest 1 Brilliant. Crouch Fest 1 That's where it was Watching it there um, at, So uh, what were you doing there Just with a load of West Ham fans Yeah in Indigo,
3: it, was, was it? it was like a, a meet and greet And there was like two and a half thousand fans there And it was Carnage Oh it was incredible <laughs> Incredible night um, It's good there but, isn't it Sorry It's good there isn't it It is it's a nice place um, But like I said it, it wasn't the best game in the world from from West Ham's point yeah. of view, but when the goal went in, it was fuck me. Everybody threw their beer. Yeah, it was Amazing, one, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it, it was one thing I'm not doing is wasting my beer. <laughs> but everybody threw their beer, and within ten minutes, everybody's on the floor because it's one-one. Mm. Um, but then when Bowen scored like like in the last thirty seconds, the place just Incredible. erupted. It just erupted. But then obviously you got the referee playing eight nine minutes injury time. Um, but it was, it was just, it was a phenomenal night. And it was, there's a lot of people go, yeah, but it was only like a conference final, mm. but it's still a final. No, I mean, when night. I played, it was like the Anglo Italian Cup. Mm. And for the first four or five rounds, we didn't want to be involved because it was shit. You know, I mean, you had to travel to Italy and things like that um, and play football and then come back and play on the Saturday. Um, but if you're getting to like the semis in the final, you want to be involved. Time. you want to be involved and it was it was it was a magnificent night Lazy, for it? and it gave the West Ham fans because it wasn't a great season premiership wise it gave them something to look forward to and it was
2: it was fantastic Ooh. how um, how do you feel about Declan Rice as well
3: obviously he's, he's going to Arsenal and some, everybody obviously wanted him to stay at West Ham and you can't blame him going there and you can't blame the club for accepting 105 million <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean so i think he will improve of course he will will he score more goals I don't know I don't know if that's in his in his makeup. but obviously he's going to be playing with obviously better players so it'll uh, you'll have to wait and
0: see alright Julian well, do you mind if we do a few messages from our listeners mate we'll get, nope. get you involved this is, I've got one here from Dan from Scum4 uh, he also has Flight Simulator uh, like Chris Stark. Uh, word of advice: un- Unlock the Dark Star. Great says, idea. I'm not a. Now is that
2: Star Trek or Star Wars? Says,
0: I don't know, unlock, unlock the. Also, dark isn't star. that the he Death says- Star? No, he Model? says, if you unlock the Dark Star, you can unleash the Mach 10. You can thank me later. It gets you from Australia to England in one hour in real time. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, once uh, I, I was around, my my missus' parents were around for tea and I was showing them I could fly anywhere in the world. They weren't that impressed. No, but, but think
2: about it, that is as cool. As Julian looks at the minute, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, Julian. So what it is, is I was explaining this to Idris Elba. So uh, we... To I, who? Uh, Idris Elba. Okay. And uh, I was explaining to him that... I like to enjoy flight simulator in real time sometimes. So I set up a chair, um, you know, do my... Do you want
0: to explain to you, Do you know what flight simulator is?
2: Well, I take it like you're flying a plane. You're flying a plane. Yeah, you're a plane yeah But you're not. Uh, well, yeah, but you can say it about anything. You? <laughs> you can say that about FIFA. You're playing a game, but you're not. Like, oh, it's a computer uh, game. It's a computer game. Oh, I don't so. play well, computer games. Well, it's a simulator, game, so. isn't it? I don't know where you... St- it's sort of the line well, it's a grey area, isn't it? It's a grey
0: area. You know, I'm so not saying it's you, a job, but it's, it's an unpaid...
3: Could uh, you fly a plane properly?
0: Well, this is the question. Because like, yeah. most people it. that
3: play FIFA can play football.
0: Yeah, I feel like they can. So, so <laughs> is is it actually like flying a plane? Like, do the oh, pilots yeah. learn through this? I'm confident.
2: If we were, say, In on trouble. a plane to Vanuatu, yeah. and I don't want to tempt fate here because yeah. this would be unbelievable footage if it actually happens.
0: Pilot has a heart you know, attack.
2: Because this is what happens. Like a tragedy happens, then it's all the old footage of, you know, been talked about and that comes out. Yeah. But touch words because we are planning to go to Vanuatu at some point, but let's say we're flying there, plane gets into trouble, and they went on the thing and said, right, pilots... Can anyone take over? Can anyone take over? I know your eyes would move to me immediately. Well, they were there.
0: I was like, still... guys... <laughs> I'm not a dark star, <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> um,
2: the hand would go up, and I would. I, here's the thing I would be confident that I would be better than most other passengers. Right. I, I think I'd be our best chance unless there was a pilot on there. Oh. Have you ever crashed a stimulator? Me, most times. Which so, is what fucking chance you, you got in the
3: fucking aeroplanes?
2: No, I'm saying I stand a better chance. If it was us three in the, in the plane, right? We're looking at a crash, crash, 70% likely to crash situation, but 30% chance
0: of success. Yeah, yeah okay. Although right. you, have,
2: you, you oh. seem to do well at everything you do. So <laughs> I don't know, Julian, maybe you'd be a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just on that, on the flight simulator stuff, Yeah. Um, the annoying thing about crashing on it is if you do a real-time flight, right, so you set up, you sit on the chair, you take off, let's say, where, where do you want to go from, Birmingham to, why don't we go to Paris? Um, we'll go shoulder um <laughs> Oh,
0: <it's> the goal! <laughs> right.
2: So you need a bit of time for that flight. If you crash on landing, it's such a fucking waste of time, oh. isn't it? Because you've been.
0: But is a, it in the real time. Do you do yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. Well, it takes an hour. Well, like, or two hours. It
2: takes me a couple of hours. Yeah, but they only put and it
0: run. on autopilot when they're up there anyway.
2: Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. But yeah. then you realise. So, so you just have to take off and in land. Living. Just realise you sat in your living room on a of chair. watching, watching? a flight yeah.
0: that's not really happening. <laughs> the worst game I've ever. Heard.
2: It's not. Again, it's... Do so you
0: much. rub your meat in between. <laughs> you know?
2: There is time. I'm not convinced pilots don't do that either, by the way. <laughs> Let's do
0: another message. The one from Tom. Do
2: you want to read this one, Julian? I don't know. We'll ju- Julian, no,
0: there's a message to. from Tom there. Uh, in my fantasy
2: football league this season, we all
3: had to Pay a tenner entry on the money going to the winner on the condition they had to use it to book a holiday for the loser. <laughs> <laughs> the holiday had to be within a three hour flight, there you go, of the loser's home country. With most of the league living in Dubai, they limited our options as countries such as Syria and Yemen were off cards for obvious reasons yeah, yeah. you can't go to Syria, no, no, not minute. minutes
2: a non-starter
3: can you can you do that on your stimulator no, I,
2: I could could you yeah, yeah. I suppose you don't have to get off do you I've got to admit I did fly to Epstein's Island
0: just to oh, oh, wow what, I just quick, what was that like just to
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just passed over it to be honest I, did I, just, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't attempt,
3: see anything didn't attempt a landing no no, no. So, so while the Champions League final was on and a lot of the league tended it Sam was stuck out in Pakistan in a hotel which cost £6 a night.
0: Fucking hell. If
3: you are wondering what £6 a night gets you in Pakistan, we're here. have a few pictures taken from the internet, including Yona posing with the Pepsi fridge.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. As good as got um, a Pepsi fridge. Okay, though. so he's lost the Fantasy League and he's, his mates have sent him to Pakistan in this hotel here and there's the owner there. Doesn't look great, Chris. No, it doesn't. Um, interesting though, because that's one of the more elaborate...
2: FPL uh, fantasy football uh, mm. forfeits, I guess that we've seen. I've mm. not seen anyone that's been forced to uh, to to take a flight to another no country. Do, you, do you play uh,
0: fantasy league?
3: I've never no. played no. any not computer games. No, no. Computer no games. <laughs>
0: Have no. you done? No. Was well, that, that what? What are? No, no, fantasy. Fantasy. no, no. You know when you pick oh, players from the? Uh, oh no, I can the... be asked. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> there we I was go. hoping you'd say that. To be honest, <laughs> I really, I've
2: got to admit. I love your no-nonsense approach to everything. I like it. By the way, if you do have any uh, FPL forfeits that are, are, are any good, please let us know. We get tagged in a load of them. Mm. Um, I saw a great one of a guy who had a, had to go on a date with a cardboard cutout, I saw Taylor that. Swift. Taylor Swift, yeah. yeah. That was a really was nice one. That was good. I enjoyed that one. So we need to update everyone with the, with the Jose Enrique stuff. The Jose Enrique, yeah. Luke, about.
0: we sent Luke to a, to a local nightclub. Where we, we found, Do you know Jose Enrique used to play for Liverpool, um, Newcastle, Uh, Well, one of the lads uh, found a pair of his shoes or got his one of a pair of his shoes on eBay. Uh, We sent him on a night out in a full Jose Enrique experience, didn't we? Yes,
2: that's what we called it. So, listener Luke, we basically said we've got Jose Enrique's shoes um, and we have this Ted Lasso top as well from when we interviewed Ted Lasso. And Mm. we basically sent them to Luke uh, so he could enjoy a night out as Jose Enrique. So what we did is we arranged it with a a local nightclub in Torquay that he'll be able to go behind the velvet rope, be well looked after. They'll provide drinks, sparklers, women, um, all that sort of thing. And then what um, we agreed to as well was we'll book him a suite in his nearest three-star hotel so he can live like Jose Enrique.
0: So anyway, he's he's given us a a video message uh, and he says, uh, so last night, kind of mental, extremely unique and something I'll never forget. Wow. Uh, Thanks, Luke. Uh, after being the victim of housery from multiple angles, work rescheduling the summer party on Tuesday morning, leading me to try and frantically round up people from a night out, my four-month-old daughter taking a page out of the Gary Lineker playbook and doing a shit, at a really bad time, uh, leading to the white trousers being victim of a shit and run. Uh, not I've, long never, I've never to, heard of that to shit before. and run. That's good. Uh, not long before I was due to leave. I had to change to my grey ones, uh, my girlfriend's brunch, being rescheduled, I eventually managed to enjoy the full Jose Enrique experience. After having a few drinks at my local, I made, I made way to Torquay, where people instantly looked at me like I was different. In a local pub, the Apple and Parrot, a big Ted Lasso fan, came over to me and said he loved the shirt and he wanted a picture. There so it go. began. Uh, I'd met my first fan at the, fan of the night, eventually making my way to Park Lane. That's, I was the, that's at, the night the nightclub Club Park you. Lane. Um, I was initially refused entry. Due to my top, clearly the bouncer didn't know who I was. <laughs> when I said, uh, I think Peter Crouch has sorted a booth for me, <laughs> some of the staff began to laugh and ran inside, clearly preparing something for my arrival. My friends went inside as I, uh, and I waited outside. Eventually, I was led in being filmed and welcomed through the velvet rope. No queuing required, of course. Uh, a woman followed me upstairs recording and taking pictures and once in the booth, the staff proceeded to get my friends, then proceeded to all come out with sparklers, setting off confetti all around me, bottles of vodka and applauding me. Like I said, it was unique. Once in the booth, I had multiple people come up to the ropes saying they, uh, they didn't think I'd be here, talking about the pod with fellow listeners, even arranging to meet some at Crouchfest 3.' The power of the pod is mental. I admit I got to the point where I can't remember much. Sign of a top night out. Oh,
2: that's that's exactly
0: what we want to hear. Fantastic. Luke's had a great night as Jose Enrique.
2: Yeah. We're going to get Luke to send us back the shoes and the shirt. He's enjoyed his experience one night only as Jose Enrique. And what we want you guys to do is get in touch with what you would like to do as your night out. Give us a good reason why we should send these shoes, Mm. that shirt and arrange a top night out for you and you can be like Luke but more importantly like Jose
0: Enrique. 100%.
3: Um,
0: What's a night out with Julian Dix like these days?
3: Uh, To be honest, I don't go eight but if I did... um, Back in the day? Back in the day, I would be pissed. I'd have a great big cigar in my mouth.
2: So you can have a night like Julian (laughs) Dix.
0: Yeah, a night like Julian Dix or a night like Jose Enrique. I have to say, Julian, thanks so much for coming on. Like I say, I've admired you um, from afar um, you know, for 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 most of my my footballing life, you know, I've, I've, I love watching you play as a player. I love the way you take penalties. I love the way you play the game. Um, and it's a it's a pleasure to have you on. I know you've got a book out, um, you know, last week or think or, or a couple of weeks. And, and good luck with it. Always, I'm sure you, there's a load of tales in there that you haven't told. Um, how, are you happy with it?
3: Yeah, it, it's, it's has some great reviews. It okay. had some fucking stupid ones as well. What's it called, you Hammer time. Hammer time. Um, right. But there was one right. review was is a shit book because everything's about you. <laughs> 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 well, obviously it's my <laughs> <our> book. Um, <laughs> but it <he's, laughs> has some. It has some <laughs> great reviews. So, yeah. uh,
0: no, well, good luck with it, mate. I I appreciate it appreciate well. I really appreciate you doing this, mate. Thank, so, thank you mate, very I really much. Cheers, cheers <laughs> This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy.
2: Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned around to my wife and said, What can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, Let's go to a load of pricks.net. But, Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you?